0: THE PIRATE, FROG, AND OTHER TALES by W. A. Frisby. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A FOREWORD This book is no arithmetic to vex the mind of youth. Its pages may, perhaps, appear to be devoid of truth but by these tales the young who learn to recognize a lie to that extent will know the truth and profit much thereby the pirate frog some boys whose names i do not know went out to sail their boat one day fast to the stern they tied a line so she could not sail far away but little did those boys suspect that just beyond a floating log with all his trusty followers there lay in wait the pirate frog on came the ship out sprang the frogs a desperate determined crew they climbed aboard with reckless speed and each one found his work to do one cut the line one raised the flag the captain seized the helm to steer and thus on peaceful plunkett's pond began the pirate frog's career upon the shore of plunkett's pond three turtles basked beneath the sun T'was afternoon, the spot was warm, and they were dozing every one. Their eyes were closed, they did not see, around the point, a sail appear, nor did they know, until too late, the dreaded pirate frog was near. The pirate crew made haste to land, they ran to where the turtles lay, turned all three quickly on their backs, then, hoisting sail, sped fast away for hours the turtles strained and scratched to turn themselves but all in vain till mrs muskrat came that way and set them right side up again as out of turtle bay he sailed the pirate frog the waters scanned and soon he steered his stolen ship to catch some ducklings far from land around the downy neck of one a lasso made of cord he cast and though the victim struggled hard the cord was strong the knot held fast the other ducklings hurried home when this unequal fight began all breathlessly they told the news to uncle peter pelican he hurried out across the pond and first he cut the ducklings cord which gave the frightened pirates time to dive to safety overboard far up the shores of plunkett's pond within a deep and marshy bay Amid the rustling rushes green, The muskrats' cozy village lay. Now, when the older rats were gone, The little rattlings had no fear. Twould have been different had they known The dreaded pirate frog was near. But soon the pirate's flag was seen. The town was taken by surprise. One baby rat was caught and bound, And dragged on ship, despite his cries. But soon his bonds were gnawed apart, And he for safety scaled the mast his weight aloft o'erset the ship and he laughed best for he laughed last twas in july the sun was hot the pond was smooth the air was still the pirate's vessel lay becalmed without a breeze the sail to fill but soon a plan had been devised to move the ship without a sail a diving frog took down a line and tied it round a bullhead's tail the big fish felt a gentle tug then saw the line and jumped with fright. He tried in vain to shake it off, and swam away with all his might. This way and that, at race-horse speed, he crossed the pond from side to side, but where he went the ship went too, and all the frogs enjoyed the ride. For weeks the wicked pirate frog had filled the water-folk with fright. They hid themselves throughout the day, while few dared venture out at night. Had he not grown too rash and bold, they might be living that way still. But his career closed when he tried to stop the busy water-mill. He planned to drive his stolen ship against the wheel and tie it fast. Nor did he think, on starting out, that this exploit would be his last. Too late he saw his grave mistake. He tried in vain to reach the shore. The pirate's ship was ground to bits, and Plunkett's Pond knew them no more old daddy-long-legs sat him down and wept in deepest woe alas he cried the summer's gone and soon will come the snow my children beg for warmer clothes but yet i must refuse for each one has so many feet i can't buy overshoes the hungry pupil to the jungle kindergarten mrs tiger brought her child he was small and roly-poly he was also meek and mild, telling him to mind the teacher not to pull his playmate's hair, and learn his lessons quickly, then his mother left him there. When she called for him at noontime, he was sitting all alone, with a smile of satisfaction, gnawing at an ostrich bone. All the ground was strewn with feathers, well-picked bones, and bits of fur. But the pupils all were missing. Don't you wonder where they were?" her little son came wriggling up to grave old mother eel oh mother dear he said with tears such awful pains i feel the doctor says he greatly fears for smallpox i am slated but yet i have no arms or legs and can't be vaccinated the snapping turtle's daughter in dress displayed good taste but when she tried a belt on she found she had no waist the jolly rough riders of wash-day sat jauntily out on the line not a man was afraid for twas but dress parade and their showing was certainly fine but when from their homes in the tree-tops the enemy sailed through the air and with coarse muddy feet soiled each garment and sheet the riders could do naught but stare a crocodile made up his mind that he'd be clean and neat On land he walked upon his toes, so's not to soil his feet. But when he came to brush his teeth, he found to his dismay they were so numerous that he was busy all the day. Jane Jenkins liked to look her best, though not too proud a girl. She did her hair with strips of tin to make it kink and curl. She twisted it too tight by far, and found to her surprise that, though she tried her very best, She couldn't close her eyes. A Fire in Frogtown One sultry night in Frogtown, The muskrats' house caught fire. The muskrats, with their babies, Rushed out in scant attire. Then all the Frogtown firemen In startled haste arose, And ran to put the fire out With dandelion hose. The Porcupine's Dilemma A porcupine once played at golf and wore a sweater red. I notice all the swells dress so, and so will I, he said. But when he found his stylish clothes were far too warm for golf, his sharp quills held that sweater fast, he couldn't get it off. A monkey sitting on a tree above a shady pool looked down and saw a crocodile within the water cool. The crocodile looked up and said, Come down, my friend, and swim intending when the monkey came to make a meal of him the monkey knew this was his plan but leaped as if to dive the crocodile spread wide his jaws to catch his meal alive but he was disappointed much to see his sharp game fail for as he leaped the monkey caught and hung there by his tail one beast there is which should be shunned by little girls and boys that is the cross Winoceros, which makes an awful noise for if they see this animal and do not run away they imitate its shrill harsh voice and whine the livelong day see in Large a frog who wore new spectacles observed a common fly what monster can this be he said that comes before my eye but when the fly was quickly caught and on the frog's inside he felt so empty that he knew his glasses magnified a turtle has a big bass drum on which he used to play his comrades didn't like the noise and so they ran away he played till he was all tired out then all his friends returned and smashed that drum to kindling wood which they piled up and burned when robert pip put out to sea his ship was strong and new he was the captain proud and bold, he also was the crew, and he could reef and splice and clew, and yaw and luff and steer. For food he carried chocolate drops, his drink was ginger-beer. The course as steered by Captain Pip was south-south-west by east, and he had sailed upon his way for forty days at least when up there came a tidal wave and with a rush and roar picked up his ship and landed it fast on a foreign shore when robert pip's ill-fated ship was landed high and dry upon a flat and unknown shore the shades of night were nigh so down he lay to take his rest upon the vessel's deck observing that his food and drink were safe despite the wreck the sun was up when he awoke and on a hillock near he saw a group of monkey folk who showed no signs of fear they seemed polite well-bred and kind he wished to make them friends and by the means of chocolate drops he soon had gained his ends the monkeys met by captain pip were all one family who near the place where he was wrecked dwelt by a banyan tree they took him to their lofty home and urged that he should stay and he consented for he knew he could not sail away within a week he learned their ways and spoke their language too he climbed with ease the tallest trees where dates and cocos grew the father monkey and his wife rejoiced in children three strong reginald and rufus sons a daughter named marie with rufus and with reginald bob pip went out one day to find a place for golfing grounds and teach his friends to play for clubs they used the bamboo sprouts in nearby jungles found for balls they plucked young cocoanuts green hard and small and round the monkey boys soon learned the game and with the greatest ease could drive the ball from hole to hole o'er brooks and rocks and trees they swung their clubs with hand or foot or tail twas all the same and soon they beat the captain at this ancient royal game. Within the chest of Captain Pip a bag of marbles lay. He fished them out one afternoon, and taught his friends to play. They played the game of Little Ring, upon the hard beach near, until there came a sad mishap, as you shall straightway hear. For as Marie was standing by, there rolled close to her feet, a china shooter that indeed looked good enough to eat, She snatched it up to swallow it. It caught, she choked, turned pale. To save her life they hung her up by her prehensile tail. Upon a sunny stretch of sand they lay beside the sea. The father monkey went to stroll, and with him went Marie. She, running on ahead of him, cried out, For goodness sake, oh, father dear, come quickly here, and kill this horrid snake he quickly grasped a driftwood club and reached his daughter's side but when he saw that serpent strange he too was terrified he shook with fright but soon he found that what had made him quail was rufus buried in the sand all hid except his tail now captain pip so longed for home he sought his stranded boat new rigging here some patches there he thought would make her float His mind was speedily made up, his new idea was tried, and soon his ship, all staunch again, rode proudly on the tide. His monkey friends wept bitterly at losing Captain Pip, till finally Marie ran home to pack her little grip, and when she said, I'm going too, they all made haste to pack, then boarded ship and sailed away, nor to that isle came back there was an old-school teacher bear whom a fever had robbed of his hair and the thought of his loss made him peevish and cross to the cubs who were under his care so they bought him a bottle or two of a medicine famous and new then his hair grew so fast that the old bear at last had to braid it all up in a queue Small Wee Whip was an Indian, who, in a wigwam warm, dwelt snugly all the winter through, quite safe from frost and storm. But he had learned of Santa Claus, and so, when Christmas came, he hung his deerskin moccasins upon the wigwam frame. And sure enough, the good old saint, that night came jingling by, and, as he passed, the moccasins caught his observing eye. But wigwams have no chimneys tall Through which old Chris can drop, So Wee Whip's Christmas gifts were left Upon the wigwam top. Young Billy Hedgehog wished a nap, He found an easy chair, And snugly curling up in it, He soon forgot all care. Grave old Judge Bruin wished to read, For books were to his taste. In that same chair he sat him down, But rose again in haste. A little girl mermaid sat down by the sea, and mournful, dejected, and tearful was she. She wanted a shirt-waist iron, stiff and nice, but the ocean would take out the starch in a trice. And she wanted blue shoes, for she thought them so sweet. So she sobbed out afresh, for she saw she'd no feet. And she wept and she wailed and she sobbed and she sighed, till her tears added salt to the salty sea's tide the little girl mermaid dove down in the sea the crabs and the lobster folk hailed her with glee the squibs shrimps and starfish stood up in a row to welcome her back to her home down below behind her sea-horses she went for a ride where brilliant-hued ocean plants swayed in the tide twas pleasant indeed and she thought with regret that once she had wished to live out of the wet the little girl mermaid once bade her friends all to come to a beautiful fancy-dress ball. The fiddler crabs fiddled for waltzes and reels, which were gracefully danced by squids, lobsters and eels. The flounders were awkward, they floundered about, till swordfish policemen escorted them out. But with this exception the ball had no flaw, and the sawfish declared, "'Twas the best he e'er saw." THE PROUD WISHBONE the wishbone was a haughty thing and high he held his head the winged twins were but common trash and drumsticks too he said it's just as plain as anything that this is so quoth he for there are two of each of them but only one of me and when two children at the feast each for the wishbone cried the wishbone said i told you so and oh he swelled with pride they took him each one by a foot as children often do then each one gave a sudden tug and broke him right in two there was a dancing camel with a desert caravan his driver was a busy and an unesthetic man who made the camel work all day and gave him ne'er a chance to lay his heavy load aside and do a fancy dance but when they reached a city and heard street musicians play THE CAMEL DANCED A STEP OR TWO WHILE JOGGING ON HIS WAY, AND QUICKLY PEOPLE THRONGED ABOUT TO WONDER AND TO STARE, WHILE THE DRIVER PASSED THE HAT AND MADE HIS FORTUNE THEN AND THERE. YOUNG GEORGE AUGUSTUS WILLIAM BUBB WAS FAR TOO DIGNIFIED TO PLAY AT GAMES LIKE OTHER BOYS, THEY grated ON HIS PRIDE. HE DID NOT KNOW HOW KITES ARE MADE, NOR HOW TO PLAY AT BALL nor how to skate, nor how to swim, nor anything at all. Said Mrs. Robin breathlessly, The frosts are nearly due, this moving south is troublesome, the baggage heavy, too. Said Mr. Rob, Oh, that's all right, we'll build the baggage through. The Haughty Cow Said an acrobatic monkey, to the staid and stately cow, COME, LET US TURN SOME HANDSPRINGS, I WILL QUICKLY SHOW YOU HOW. BUT OLD BOSSY SHOOK HER HEAD. NO, INDEED, SHE SHARPLY SAID. I HAVE PASSED THE AGE OF NONSENSE, AND I'LL NOT BEGIN IT NOW. THE PEANUT BIRD DEEP IN THE FOREST, DARK AND STILL, THERE LIVES THE PEANUT BIRD. IT RARELY WALKS, IT SELDOM FLIES, ITS SONG IS NEVER HEARD no fear of hunters armed with salt will make this bird turn pale it can't be caught with salt you see because it has no tail the disappointed bat a bat played a hand organ out in the street and carried a sign i am blind but though all his music was joyous and sweet his hearers he thought were unkind for no one who passed dropped a coin in his hat but each said, why, of course, he's blind as a bat. When Billy Wilson swimming went, it took him half a day to reach the lake because, you see, it was so far away. And so, to stop this loss of time, when next he went to swim, he tied a string around the lake and pulled it home with him. Dicky Peg Leg A sparrow with a wooden leg hopped o'er a roof of tin, and as he hopped a girl below was overcome with sudden woe to hear that noise begin oh dear she cried here comes the rain and this is picnic day nor did she know what she had heard was just a wooden-legged bird until he flew away young johnny bingle long had wished to own a truly gun and so when christmas came again his father gave him one it had a barrel straight and true a fancy walnut stock and for his first game johnny shot the cuckoo in the clock the shanghai twins as mother bantam roamed the field of worms and bugs in quest she found two large and lonesome eggs in a deserted nest this makes my duty clear said she i'll stay and hatch them out and for three weeks that little hen was no more seen about. At length from out those two large eggs the young chicks broke their way, and thus the famous Shanghai twins first saw the light of day, and Mother Bantam stood aghast that newborn pair to see, for, standing in his stocking feet, each was as tall as she. When Mother Bantam came to feed the hungry Shanghai twins, she found she had an awful task to fill them to their chins, and if they were not filled that full they clamoured to be fed until in running down their food she worked till nearly dead with hoppers and with ladybugs, with moths and worms and flies with grains of corn and crumbs of bread she stopped their hungry cries till finally she ran so much to get them food to eat that she herself worn out and starved was overcome by heat said mother bantam to her twins since you two have been hatched you have not found a single meal you have not run nor scratched i've fed you as a mother should but you are stronger now and henceforth you must scratch for worms cried they please show us how she led them to the garden plot dig in your claws said she just catch the dirt and push it back it's easy don't you see ah yes they cried and went to work with all their main and might, and, ere they knew what they had done, they buried her from sight. The Shanghai twins came on apace, so rapidly they grew, that larger, stronger fowls than they became extremely few, and Mother Bantam gazed with pride her foster-sons upon. The one of them was christened James, the other one was John beneath the battered hen-house door a hungry fox one night poked in his nose and all the fowls were paralyzed with fright but james and john knew what to do they fought with might and main until the fox took to his heels with yelps of fear and pain now when the valiant shanghai twins had put a fox to flight they stood on guard to watch the house the balance of the night and while they watched the other fowls reposed in perfect peace so after that the twins were named as poultry-yard police each wore to show his lofty rank a helmet club and star and soon as faithful guardians their fame spread near and far the very mention of their names made thieving fowls turn pale for well they knew that john and james could march them off to jail three young and interesting pigs once lived within a sty and one was greedy one was strong and one was scarce a half yard long and scant ten inches high the greedy one when large and fat was led away one day the strong one rooted at his pen until he made a hole and then crept out and ran away the smallest pig with careful thought made up his mind to stay He did not eat enough to grow, he did not run away, and so, he lives in peace to-day. Once on a Time If you had lived, once on a time, just as the story-books all say, oh, wouldn't it have been a sight to see the knights with dragons fight and bear their heads away? And it was once upon a time that little boys came to be kings, that fairies flitted here and there to little girls with presents rare rich gowns and diamond rings but now dear me how things are changed and yet perhaps tis just as well for if twere not so long ago that all these wondrous things were so there'd be no tales to tell to mr fox's barber shop the large important mr bear once took his chubby little son to have the barber trim his hair the cloth was tucked about his neck when in the mirror large and tall he chanced to see another bear and cuffed the glass to pieces small perhaps there is a funny land where rabbits dress in long-tailed coats and kittens all wear wooden shoes and schools are taught by learned goats where crocodiles play violins, and owls are decked in gowns and caps. But if there is a land like this, you cannot find it on the maps. A very foolish little clam at night sat up till very late. His parents said repeatedly that he should not thus dissipate, but he would never heed their words. He was too headstrong to obey, and thus he had so little sleep that he was sleepy all the day. ONE SUMMER MORNING ON THE BEACH, HE OPENED WIDE HIS SHELL TO YAWN. A BIG RED BIRD CAME WALKING BY. A SNAP, A GULP, THE CLAM WAS GONE. SO, CHILDREN, THOUGH YOU ARE TOO LARGE FOR ANY HUNGRY BIRD TO HOLD, YOU SEE, TIS MUCH THE WISER PLAN TO GO TO BED WHEN YOU ARE TOLD. THE AIRSHIPS THE AIRSHIP FLEET OF MEADOWVILLE floats GAYLY O'ER THE TOWN. For older people fully grown, the craft is thistle down, the smaller of the meadow folk on fluffy silkweed ride, and there's a ship for everyone, with ships to spare beside End of The Pirate Frog and Other Tales by WA Frisbee Recording by Lee Smalley